Hey guys, I'm Shayna. And I'm Seabray. And we are Real Twisted, Twisted Sisters. It was 2011 in Williamstown, West Virginia, a small town nestled along the Ohio River. Having a population of only about 3,000 people, Williamstown was uneventful for the most part. Nothing too exciting happened in the area. The closest large city was Columbus, which is about a two-hour drive. On November 19th of 2011, something horrible and quite strange occurred. Jalea Davis was a 20-year-old resident of Williamstown. She had grown up in the close-knit community with her loving parents and her little sister, Tabby. Jalea and Tabby were only 18 months apart, making them in inseparable growing up, and as they got older, they turned into confidants and best friends. Tabby says in an interview that Jalea was always very protective of her and was always taking care of her. Jalea was quiet and shy when she was a little girl and then blossomed into an outgoing and very popular young lady. Jalea's goal in life was to, become a, was to become a cosmetologist and her family and friends knew she was capable of reaching any goal she set for herself. On Friday, November 18th of 2011, Jalea was planning to go to a party with a girl she had just recently started hanging out with. This girl's name is Kristen Bechtold. They met at the end of the summer, uh, so they'd only been hanging out for a couple months. Her and her new friend got ready together and then took off to another friend's house who was planning on having a little house party. After staying at the party for a little while, Jalea and Kristen decide to leave and head to a bar. They end up taking three other people with them, two males and one female. I don't know how they got into the bar though. Because she's only 20 years old. She must well, and also, ID. party ruiners. How are you going to show up to the party and then pick everyone up and take them with you? Exactly. Handle <laughs> shit, huh? Rude. Bitches. They end up taking three other people, two males and one female. According to Jalea's mom, Jalea hadn't really hung out with those other people very much before. Her mom said that in the beginning of the night, though, Jalea had been texting her family members and everything seemed just fine. Her mom said that their last texts back and forth were sent around 9.30 that night. Her family members don't hear anything after that until 3.28 a.m. This is when Jalea calls her sister, Tabby, to ask if she would pick her up at a gas station not too far away. Tabby was with her friend at the time, and they said that no problem, they would go together and pick up Jalea. As soon as they head out the door, Jalea calls her sister back and says she wants her to pick her up at a rest stop instead. This was right off the highway and was a little bit closer to their house. During this call, Tabby heard Jalea ask Kristen, the friend that she was with, to give her her keys. Tabby really didn't think anything of it at the time. Tabby did say there was definitely something wrong with Jalea and she sounded like maybe she was a little bit mad and she had been crying a little. Um, she just didn't sound like her usual self. Tabby did ask her what was wrong, and Jalea said that she would tell her once she got there. They hang up, and Tabby and her friend get into their car. As they're getting ready to take off, Jalea calls again. Now she's bawling and seemingly having a fight with Kristen. She is screaming in the phone, calling Kristen all sorts of names, saying Kristen is this, Kristen is that. Um, she's telling her sister to hurry up and is clearly very upset. So, of course, Tabby takes off right away. Tabby and her friend are now on their way to this rest stop to pick up Jalea. But at 3.48 a.m., very shortly after Tabby received that last call from her sister, a truck driver was driving down I-77 when he spotted something on the side of the road. It was the body of a woman torn to pieces. He quickly called it in the sheriff's office and they arrive on the scene. 
They have everything blocked off when Tabby and her friend drive up over the hill and see the whole ordeal taking place. The authorities tell the girls that they found the body of a woman on the road. The only information that they could tell the girls was that it was an African-American girl in a white peacoat. Right away, Tabby knew it was her sister. Oh my God, how, how long did it take them from that last phone call to drive there? Three, God, that wasn't even like 20 minutes. No, yeah, and that was, at, I mean, that was the first call she made was at 328. So then she had called Tabby two times after that. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's freaky. Tabby called her family members right away to tell them what was going on and that she thought it was the body of Jalea in the road. Her mom was asleep at the time and said Tabby was completely hysterical. Everyone arrived on the scene right away, and that's when they got the news from officers that it is, in fact, Jalea. They're also given other horrifying details about what is found in the crime scene. Jalea had been decapitated. One of her legs was broken and one of her breasts was gone. Oh my God. Could you imagine? I could not Oh my God, no. I would just die right then. A sheriff from Wood County said, I quote, we see fatalities all the time, but never quite like this. Jalea's car was found a quarter mile up the road, up a slight hill also, mind you. Okay. It was still running, still in gear. The doors were locked and the keys were in the ignition. What the hell? I don't, yeah, I don't even know how that's possible. But what was also strange is that the car didn't look very badly wrecked. There was some denting and scratching on it, but it wasn't badly wrecked. Jalea's clothing had been removed from the waist up and her shoes were both gone. So at this point, she is just wearing her underwear and jeans. Her shirt, bra, and peacoat were all hung nicely on the post of a guardrail. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. The trucker that called 911 told dispatch that he believed it was, in quotes, a crime scene. He told them also that he did not touch anything. So he did not put Julia's clothes on that guardrail post. Now this cheese, now this just keeps getting more and more curiouser and curiouser. Uh, sorry, this is not a laughing matter. I, I but, thought you were talking about cheese and I got hungry. Yeah, sorry, that's not cheese. I just can't talk right now. Uh, later that night, Jalea's grandpa decides he's going to take another look at the crime scene. He goes down with his camera in tow and takes pictures of everything. As he's taking pictures, he finds a girl's shoe print in the gravel. Well, somebody was walking around there. Well, we know that Jalea was with Kristen at the time. She had literally just called her sister about 20 minutes before the body was found. She, uh, Tabby could hear Kristen, could hear Jalea talking to Kristen. And Tabby had already called Kristen and went off on her. Right away, uh, she's screaming, yelling, saying that Kristen must have known, must know what happened. She must have something to tell them. But Kristen is adamant that she doesn't know what happened to Jalea, and she definitely had nothing to do with it. Of course, the next day, police want to question all the people that Jalea had been hanging out with that night. Well, when they go to talk to Kristen... Wait, why do they wait till the next day to talk to Kristen? That's like the last person who sees this girl before she's mutilated. Well, I think by the because this had happened, you know, it was they were just still res, reviewing the crime scene at like five in the morning. Oh yeah, and I so they probably I'm assuming they went to find her around eight or so that, okay. that next day. Um, but when they go to 
talk to her, she's gone. And police can't find her. They do end up talking to her dad. And he just casually says that she doesn't feel like talking right now. And she's definitely going to get a lawyer before she does talk oh, to them. Oh, okay. Red flag, ding, ding, ding. Uh, she does just that, of course. And three days later, she gets herself a lawyer and is ready to talk to police. Kristen says that they were all hanging out at a bar. It was closing, so they all left together and took Jalea back to her car. Kristen thought that she might want to hang out with them longer that night, but she said that Jalea didn't want to and she called her sister to come pick her up. Kristen said she heard her talking to Tabby and heard her say she would tell her what was going on once she got there. Kristen says she didn't hear Jalea tell Tabby where to pick her up at, though which I think is just her fucking up her story. And yeah. she can't say that because then her whole story, but she already fucked it up by saying that she heard Jalea tell Tabby that she would tell her what was wrong. So she knew that Jalea was upset, but yeah. she doesn't seem to say anything about that. Um, she claimed that Jalea was highly intoxicated. So they wanted to make sure Tabby was really going to pick her up. So they bring her back to her car and Kristen says that they pretty much stay there with her because they didn't trust that she wasn't going to drive off. And Kristen said that Jalea had drank a whole bottle of vodka before they even got to the bar, so there was no way they were letting her drive. There's no way the size of that girl could drink a, a whole bottle of vodka. That's, yeah. It's just not possible. So Kristen's story is all fucked up. Uh, she just says the last time she saw Jalea, she was in her car waiting for her sister. So now everyone is just confused, trying to figure out what the fuck happened. The sheriff's office starts a full-blown investigation, knowing that the evidence they had and the statements they were getting, nothing was adding up. Some thought that maybe she did get very drunk. She took off in her own car, crashed into the guardrail, got out of her car, and then was run over by her own car. The evidence at the crime scene did suggest that she was hit by her own vehicle. No further information is discovered right away, and the case sort of goes cold. But... Now, in February of 2012, a woman goes to authorities to tell them she was on I-77 that night and that she saw the crash in her rear, rear view mirror. She says that there was another car involved that had ran down Jalea's car. A police report is filed by this woman stating that she also saw this whole party, Jalea and her friends, Kristen and all of them, at the bar that night. And she said Jalea had been fighting with those people outside of the bar. She said Jalea got into her own car and took off. And three, three of those friends, friends, got into a different car and began chasing her. Unfortunately, it doesn't take too long for investigators to find out that this woman made up the whole story for what? some reason. What? She was given a polygraph. She failed the polygraph and then told them that she made up the story. Why? And she was actually arrested for it. Oh, what? my God. Yes, yeah, so... Uh, now, this gets a bit gruesome, um, and I actually got this information from Jalea's mother. Uh, she put it on the Facebook page that she has that's giving out all this information about the case and trying to get help with it. It says that after she was struck by her own car, her head hit a guardrail post. The impact of that hit killed her. The car then continued to move north, and Jalea's head continued hitting the guardrail posts, until it began, became severely damaged and eventually unattached. At that point, as blood stains and acceleration marks have proven, 
The driver of the car quickly took off with Jalea still attached to it and moved from the guardrail, the right side of the road, into the passing lane, the left lane, where her body was dropped. Lab reports and documents show that there was DNA recovered from the driver's side of the car that did not match Jalea. Information has changed over time, and what they're seeing is not matching up with what they were originally told. In March of 2013, Jalea's autopsy reports are received by the sheriff's office. They then release a statement saying that Jalea died due to a single car accident that was caused by the driver being under the influence of alcohol. They determined that Jalea's blood alcohol was 0.19, which is double the legal limit. They now say that Jalea's car hit the guardrail and her body was ejected. Her body was ejected out of the passenger side window. They also say she did a flip, like a back flip, and a couple of spins over the car. Honestly, they're really saying that because her body wasn't thrown over the guardrail. It seems a little bit insane to me. Uh, She was then hit by more than one semi-truck, which is what caused her body to move and become separated into pieces. Her top items of clothing were removed, they claim, when she was ejected from the car, supposedly. Um, but remember I told you it was the, the, the peacoat was on top. The bra and yeah. shirt were underneath it. So if it actually yeah. came off and flew over there, it would have been the peacoat first. And then right. her, so that just doesn't make sense. Now her mother states that there was not one piece of clothing or DNA on the glass of the passenger side window. Uh, the car was barely damaged. Considering they're claiming now that it was a 70 mile per hour hit against the guardrail to cause her body to be ejected from the car. The vehicle, you can look pictures up online. There's like little dents on it and some some scratches. Um, but, you know, they claim that she flew over the roof, but there's no blood spatter on the roof of the car. Uh, her grandfather, of course, being the detective that he is on his own, isn't trusting other people's work and is doing his own investigating. He believes the car never even hit the guardrail. He walked the entire span of the accident, and there was no denting on the guardrails. Mm. And you can see that in the pictures, too. There's the yeah. crime scene photos are up online on the okay. Facebook pages and I stuff they look. have. Yeah, they're really interesting. You can see blood on the posts, which is, that would make sense if her head had hit the posts. But, yeah, there's no, like, major denting on the guardrail. So, we wonder what happened. Uh, well, regarding the friends that she was with that night. The Woods County Sheriff states that Kristen and all of her friends have an alibi. They were spotted on a camera at a McDonald's drive-thru. But all you can see in that video is the driver and that there's two people in the back seat. Okay. Yeah, you can sort of tell that it's like a woman's arm, but you can't, other than that, you can't see anything. So there's no definitive way that that sheriff could know that those were the people in that car. Um... Besides the original statements police took, there was nothing else done. They never questioned them again. They never took their cell phones. Nothing. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Oh, you wonder why. Well, a couple fun facts for you to walk away with. Kristen Bechtold is the granddaughter of a former sheriff and the daughter of a doctor. After the case was closed, this gives me goosebumps. After the case was closed, Kristen's attorney returned a keychain to the lead detective on the case. That keychain was attached to Jalea's key ring the night of the accident. It's a really nice 
keychain. It's got the letter J and it's all in like diamonds and okay. it's got a big diamond like dangly thing from yeah. it. Uh, the keychain was a gift from Jalea's sister and it meant a lot to her. So why did Kristen have it? And then why did Kristen give it to her lawyer to give back to the lead detective? Yeah. Um, she claims Jalea gave it to her. Well, then again, why Why are you giving it back? I mean, unless the, the family requested it, but still, Jalea didn't fucking give you that keychain. Yeah. You are... Ugh. What the hell? Yeah, so two of the other people that were with them also had ties to law enforcement. And one of the boys in his original statement said that Jalea and Kristen could have gotten into a fight over him. There was some jealousy issues going on. Oh, boy. But nobody was questioned again, so we don't know. Uh, the family's goal right now is to get the case reopened and reinvestigated. They have a petition up online that you can sign if you, too, want more justice for Jalea. Um, like I, I was talking about the Facebook page earlier, I'm going to put links to all that underneath the case here or underneath our episode. Um, you know, the group Anonymous, that activist hacker yeah. group, they took interest in the case okay. and they claim, uh, they end up saying that the local police are probably involved and it's, it's a cover up to protect the guilty in the case that are involved with authorities in the mm -hmm. area. So that's that's all the information I have for you on that one. Again, you can look it all up yourself. A lot of the information is online. Um, Facebook.com backslash justice for Jalea. And you can find the petition on there to sign. Alrighty, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. We will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode and you have a case or a story you would like us to cover, go ahead and shoot us an email at realtwistedsisters at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at real.twisted.sisters. And if you would like to join the Patreon, you can do so at www.patreon.com backslash realtwistedsisters.